0: Hey there, Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show, a podcast all about front-end web design and development. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is
1: Chris Coyier. Hey! uh, We are continuing with our series, gosh, we're a whole bunch deep, and they're all called How to Think Like a Front-End Developer, and then we have a special guest, and we dive deep into their brains and minds and and find out about stuff uh, uh, because the thesis that's starting to develop is that is that maybe just maybe front-end web development despite it being such a common job title out there in the world on the job boards across the world um, it means very different things and that people that have that same job title or self-identify that way or whatever do extremely different things and think about think about their jobs in extremely different ways and it's just weird and we're going to dig into that a little bit we have monica here hi monica
2: hi the that's the one how did you get
1: it (laughs) (laughs) takes years
2: of practice uh it's dinklescu it just rolls off the tongue i
1: apologize we should have did that before the show uh but where are you now what do you what do you what's up what do you do you're at the google right
2: I'm at the Google. I'm an engineer. I work on a team called uh, Magenta, which is under Brain. We do uh, machine learning for music generation and art generation and all sorts of creativity-enhancing tools.
1: That is fascinating, and it sounds like right up your alley. Because I know I've seen so many demos from you that are like, "I made a sweet drum machine," and I, you know, everything you do seems to have some element of art to it. It seems like.
2: Yeah, it's a really great team, and like, it works really well with everything that I want to do, which is make awesome
1: shit. So is the output a—you know, when I think of machine learning and front-end JavaScript stuff, I think of, I don't know, TensorFlow, I guess. But is that output from your team, or is that somebody else's thing, or do you have your own version of that?
2: Kind of? We wrap TensorFlow. So we use TensorFlow for all the mathy bits, the machine learning bits— And then on top of it, we have um, extra sugar for, like, the web audio API, which is, you know, new levels of pain I'm experiencing on the web now. Um, And then at the end, we, like, put them all together, and you have, like, little models where you're like, hey, model, give me a new drum beat that sort of sounds like my drum beat. And the model goes, dope, here it is.
1: Wow. So is it, are there... Is there there artists out there that are – I I went to a – here's a story. Over the summer, I went to a quilt show, and I learned this story about there's this thing that helps you make a quilt called, like, a long arm or something like that. It's like a – it's like a – quilting like it literally has a really long arm on it helps you helps you quilt you know and now it's like almost assumed that you use one i'm sure there's like old school people that like do it the old way or whatever but it's like not rare to have a quilt that was crafted using a long arm thing but in the you know the first quilt shows that were showing quilts like to be appreciated as art that were made from long arms there was like uh, uproar in the world, you know? Like, I can't believe that this machine-made quilt could possibly be shown next to my hand-quilted quilt. Oh, my God.
2: The musical example of that is guitar pedals, right? Like, there used to be a time before guitar pedals where guitar sounded really pure and you held them really weird. And then somebody was like, we're going to distort the shit of this instrument, and now everybody uses it. Um, so that's kind of what we want to do. We want to make, like, smarter, you know, data-powered guitar pedals that make your instrument sound better, that help you if you're creatively stuck.
1: It doesn't make you any less of an artist, though. Are we past that, you know, we def-
2: Yeah, th- I hope not. Um, if you think that art is, like, having to make your own cotton for your canvas, then I think we're going to disagree on that term. But I think anything that helps you make the thing that you have, like, you have a vision to do something and whatever helps you get there is totally, I think, we should be working on. Mm-hmm.
0: How far away are we uh, from me, like, being able to say, like, yo, DJ, drop a beat, and, like, just based on how, m- how I said beat, the robot says, okay, I got this, like, very bad mouth sound. So,
2: I mean, fairly close. So it's not about, like, how you say beat, but um, we totally have these models where, like, if you give them, like, uh, like, you drum a little bit, you know, a little beat, and then it's able to sort of try to be, to drum like you drummed. Not how, like, everybody else's drums, but, like, how your drums in particular. Or, and again, like, this one's really boring because it all depends on, like, what you're training your model on. If you're only training your model on, like, I don't know, the works of Chopin, it's obviously only going to sound like Chopin. But if we train your model on, like, how Dave Rupert makes music, then it's going to make Dave Rupert music. Uh, which is kind of dope if you're, you know, a musician and you're like, I'm stuck creatively in this thing. Like, what would, you know, what would Better Monica would do right now? And it's like, I can ask Better Monica. And then you get this, like, new idea and you can use it to make music.
0: Uh, so, okay, I would like to see the robot with Robo Z. Um.
2: <laughs> if you're into Ableton, I don't know when this is, uh, this podcast is airing, but this weekend we're going to the Ableton Loop Conference where we're announcing this, like, set of Ableton plugins. So you can use our models inside of Ableton and drag and drop little clips that are made with machine learning. Um, so, you know, future listeners, this these plugins are out now. Go check them out. Somewhere on the Magenta site, that page hasn't been made yet. <laughs>
0: the URL
1: is. Your URL goes here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So we asked you on because what a I mean, uh, you know, people listening to this series, I'm sure they're like, well, this is going to be a different <laughs> approach to this thinking like a front end developer thing. What about you? Do you kind of self-identify that way? I mean, certainly you write JavaScript, right? That's a front end thing, isn't it? I
2: write the JavaScripts. I write the pixels. That makes me a front end developer.
1: Yeah. Does I do it, the does... things
2: on the web. I get upset when they're slow. that's totally front end developer.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Getting mad about performance. That's definitely our
2: job.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How oh, you get on the Chrome team? I yeah, <laughs> it's a
2: you have a meeting and you're like oh, well, it's scale it from zero to seven. When you look at this trace, how much do you hyperventilate? Seven, welcome to the family.
1: Okay. <laughs> 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 that's it. You too can work. Again. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Is what do you think? What What does that mean to you in a way? If you had to think about those, like, what's a front end developer? I guess it's is that it? It's just hyperventilating at bad performance scores. No,
2: I think you are the person in charge of getting the pixels to the user, and then like. Here You could be the person that makes the JavaScript behind the pixels and somebody else makes it. And when I say pixels, I mean really patronizing. I mean like all of the DOM and the styles or I've just summarized them as the pixels. Um, but it's anything to do with that. I think if you're like in any way concerned about what a user's experience on the web is, that makes you a front-end developer because that's the front-end, right? You do the things to the front-end. It's a made-up It's a made up term, right? This is the problem with all of these terms. We made them up like 10 years ago, and then we caught up, and we're like, turns out the web isn't just HTML documents. Now what?
1: Mm-hmm. And then, but you always have to – I struggle to phrase it in a way that's like doesn't sound um, like the, a back-end person doesn't care about the user or doesn't care about websites because they kind of do too, right? But they're
2: totally allowed not to, right? Like if you're the person who's writing – the SQL code for the database, I think you're totally allowed not to care about the user. This is your personal choice. Because at that point, you're like delegating your responsibility. So what I'm trying to say is that I think it's totally fine to not want to call yourself a front-end developer, too.
1: I like that. Okay, now we're getting to it a little bit, that you can be this back-end developer. You can care about the user if you want to, but but your job cannot include that because you're so busy worrying about other stuff. Yeah,
2: your user might be, you know, the front-end developers who need to use your stuff, who are going to get upset if your stuff is really slow. Like if whatever services you're building in, you know, Python or Go or whatever it is, that the front-end developers are going to use they're your users at this point. So, you know, everybody has a user. Wherever yeah. you are in the stack, somebody's your user. you are We're all engineers, except for in Quebec. You're only an engineer if you pay your taxes.
0: Oh, really? A... Yeah,
2: so I graduated from an engineering degree, but I'm not allowed to call myself an engineer because I don't pay my engineering guild dues.
0: Wow, oppressive Canada. Uh, we can unpack that.
1: <laughs> well, that's been a yeah, I mean, so that's oh, that's fascinating. I mean, certainly that's been talked about over the years. Like, I what you, you literally called yourself an engineer in the beginning of this show a bit, and maybe and I don't know, but it but but, but in Quebec it, it means something for real. Whereas, not that not, yeah,
2: and like officially your job title cannot be an engineer unless you are part of the guild and you have paid the money dollars. It's mostly about the money dollars, let's be honest.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that's a so, kind of... so hold on,
0: pause, pause. Yeah. Uh if Dave Rupert starts a guild called Front End Guild, you can't be a front end developer unless you pay Dave Rupert uh... money? Is this... That is
2: that is a fact.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, team, let's uh we're starting an LLC here. Yep. Uh, <laughs> start a little business here, side project. Gosh, that's a great way to wrap up the series, Chris. Is if you just pay us your friend. It would developer. be
1: a twist. It certainly would be. Like, Thank you the, for listening where,
2: to the podcast. I will send you an invoice in yeah. the mail.
1: Uh hope you like yeah. gatekeeping because we're getting into it.
2: <laughs> Chris, no. <laughs> <laughs> bad, Chris. Bad.
1: Oh no. But so what you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, there's a bit of this, I don't know, thing that we've been hearing from different other developers we've interviewed for this series, where there's kind of a a split almost in the, in the, you know, that you can be this kind of a, I don't know, I'll call it like a hardcore JavaScript engineer and that that's just kind of a different person and a different role and a different job and a different everything than, than maybe somebody in your word like a, that just as kind of exclusively pixely, you know, that just kind of... Thinks of UI, UX land a little more heavily?
0: Yeah,
2: but also think, if your JavaScript is going to live on a site, though, you have to, you know, consider the place where your JavaScript is going to live. Like, if you're going to completely ignore that the fact HTML and CSS exist, and you're going to write everything in JavaScript, and also deliver that to the user, I think I would like to say you're a bad friend and developer at that point, because you're sort of ignored the ecosystem that's made for, you know, getting the pixels to the user. You've ignored, like, 60% of what's out there. Um, so I don't think you can write JavaScript in a vacuum, unless you're writing, like, again, super-servery node code, in which case your users are somebody else and not directly the, you know, the human that's getting the pixels. Which be fine, again, you don't have to call yourself... A- Honestly, call yourself whatever you want. I call myself an emojineer. What does that even mean? I don't know. Still write the JavaScript. Titles, there's,
1: there's some great stuff in there, though. That 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 it's not this like it's not necessarily two separate jobs. Like even if you're this super JavaScript focused engineer, let's say that it, that doesn't absolve you of of understanding the rest. Yeah.
2: of Yeah, I think you. There's no way you can like pray away the web stack. You have to know what it's there and how to use it, or else you're gonna you know. Deliver something that looks nice but it's probably really slow or, I don't know, the browser can't optimize or can't cache or whatever it is. I think that, like, the reason why this is a hard question is because front-end sort of has, like, stigma associated with it. Like, it's the person who, you know, 10 years ago did a site in front-end or whatever, or Dreamweaver, and we didn't think of them as real developers. Um, so now there's more of us that do this, but because we think front-end developer is a bad word, we don't really want to use it. Cause yeah, it's not like real development. It's just like you know, CSS. CSS isn't real. Mm. HTML isn't real. You don't need to. You don't need to be a real developer to do that. Like this is sort of like the kind of bull that you can hear from like elders yeah. who have been around for a long time. And I think it's absolute bullshit.
1: Yeah, that is that is a, that. Well, whether or not we like it or what, I think people will always have some kind of. They're old school and I'm new school. Is there like an old school, new school? But if that changes over time, what does that mean? But I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what I'm trying to say. But in somebody's mind, there will always be that whether you want it or not. So what about, you know, specialization, though, also can't go away in a way, right? Like you have specialties, I'm sure, right?
2: Naps, I think are my specialty Oh do you yeah. mean on the web sorry <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> <Did> you... <laughs> you mean native apps is that no really i meant apps like <laughs> the ones <laughs> where
2: you have a sleepy time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Na- oh, okay.
1: native naps That's native a, yeah native just, naps yeah. the installable
2: yeah. ones um <laughs> wow naps very good uh yeah, I think I definitely have things that I'm bad at. I, I'm way better at knowing what I'm bad at than what I'm good at. Like, I'm very bad at CSS animations. I don't really get it. I've been trying to be better with, I did the stupid October experiment where I've learned how to, like, translate things, and that was nice. But, like, I look at things that, like, Sarah Drasner makes where she just, you know, animates the out of an SVG, and I'm like, I don't understand how that works. So I'm definitely not that kind of CSI, CSS engineer, for example. Mm-hmm. But I can write the JavaScripts. I really like the DOM. I can really write so the DOM. So th- you
1: think of your specialties and things that you're not good at. And,
2: yeah, uh, you, yeah. Whatever's
1: left over is your specialty.
2: That's yeah, cool. it's like an exclusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> not a not a explicit list. It's yeah. A- but that means that, so if you, but you would, you, you probably know enough to know, like, if you're on something that needed that kind of treatment, that that, again, doesn't like, it doesn't, you can't just be bad at it. You just ask somebody else. I ask, or, you know,
2: exactly. I, uh, I usually go to Surma, Surma Surma, and I'm like, yeah. hey, I made an animation. Look at it. And he goes, you're painting all the time. Why, Monica? Why? Turns out you shouldn't animate left. You should always animate and translate. Now I know.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. On, I didn't know. It's on know the that. short list of things <laughs> that's okay to animate.
2: Yeah. So kind of things like this where like I know it's not my strength and I know I have to do it. And then when I do it, I like get somebody who knows how to do it. I'm like, please look at my garbage and, you know, brush it out. Put a room by there and sort of clean the shit up.
1: But, like, so that one seems clean because it's kind of like, oh, I'm not, I don't specialize in animation, so I'll have somebody, you know, look look at this and help me. But what about, you know, does that same thing apply to, like, somebody who was like, well, HTML just isn't my thing. I need, that's not, I I stop at the HTML level.
2: Well, I mean, for sure, there's, like, an HTML in my mind goes really closely with CSS. I think HTML without CSS means that, like you're going to have the wrong structure for like a Flexbox, for example, right? You need to like put extra divs in there all the time. I think that you can be the person who makes the thing look like something, and then you can be very good at that, but not necessarily make that thing dynamic. And then that's where like somebody who's really good at JavaScript would come in and be like, you made it look really good, and I'll add the extra bits in there to like, you know, actually be an application rather than like a document. Um, and I think it's totally fine to, like, be very good at, like... So
1: it is okay. What I, yeah. what I, I guess what I was getting at was, like... Chris, so everything
2: if, is okay. I, You're a grown man. Don't let anybody tell you what to do.
1: <laughs> no, I know, but, uh, well, thank you, first of all. <laughs> The, you know, but if you're a, a cook, you know you might like a chef, and you have all these advanced skills. You can cook all these things, but you, you it would, you would be embarrassing to be like, "Well, I can't boil water, or I don't know how to hold a knife." But, but in that's web that's the wrong
2: analogy, right? The analogy is you're uh, you're a savory chef, but you're not a good pastry chef. That's totally allowed. Pastry chefs are a different kind of chef than like the chef who knows how to cook a steak. A pastry chef can probably make you an average steak, but a really good like Danish. You know, the savory chef good. has no chance to make you a good... It's going to make you an average pastry. And that's totally... Like, this is why we hire different chefs in the kitchen.
1: Is there... But is there any... Are, are any of the web skills we have, like, lower level than that, where it is a little bit, like, unacceptable to not know them? Or is everything on, on the...
2: Unacceptable is a very loaded word. Again, it's like yeah, a gatekeeping word. It is. Word. That's heavy. Yeah, but I, right, encourage, I encourage anybody who in any way touches a website that's getting delivered to somebody to sort of understand for example the performance implications of what you do. I think it's important to know that like style sheets are blocking. If you're going to download a 4 meg style sheet up front, you're going to have a bad time. You probably should understand how like scripts get loaded. But if you if you're like listening to this and you're like, "Oh, shit, I don't know how scripts get loaded." That's totally fine. Ask somebody who do if like if you care about this. You can totally learn about it. If you're not in charge of like delivering scripts to the user, let the person who's in charge of that do it. But I think there's like a mix and match of like the things that you need to know and the things that you want to know about how a website gets to, how the pixels get to the person.
0: Go, going back to uh, like that animation example, um, th- does NPM like play a role here? Like, I, I feel like, oh, I'm animating poorly? Well, you know, my whatever NPM package I'm using to animate will eventually update and make that better. So I don't care. Like, is that, you know, is that the chef that just orders Blue Apron uh, <laughs> and cooks that up? or yeah,
2: Well, and then you're like a home cook and you're going to get a home cook sort of experience. Yeah. Um, I think with NPM, the biggest, uh, I'm a huge fan of NPM, but also NPM gives me a lot of anxiety because you don't know what you're getting. And you have to sort of trust the person giving you the things that, oh, my light's turned off, Um, that it's not going to, like, balloon up, for example. in size Like, size on the web is a thing that, again, because I'm a Chrome, I used to be a Chrome engineer, always PTSD about the size of things on the web. Um, But if you're only using it, if you're using a giant NPM package to do something that, like, the browser can do just because you don't want to learn how the browser does that, I think that's a little bit sloppy. Um, And I think... This is like what could be the difference between like, you know, a two Michelin star restaurant and like, a you know, the subway down the street, which is fine. Again, there's a place for both of these. Um, if you're trying to build something really quick where you know your audience doesn't care about size or you know that, you know, you don't have time or the money or the expertise to build this, but you really need to build it, that's fine. But there's also a place for... My God, this cooking <laughs> work analogy is working great.
0: We're 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 really deep into it.
2: It's I'm so sorry for the friends at home who know how to cook. It's uh. No. Did that answer? Did was that a rant? Was that a ramble?
0: No, I think that works. I I think it's. I just think it's like interesting because it does sort of play in, and and I think you're right that you know it. Yeah, it, it's great to like fill your knowledge gaps, you know, and and or like this should be a solved problem. I'm just going to solve it. I don't need to reinvent the wheel on, I don't know, authentication. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like Um, super
2: hard things (laughs) I think you should give away. Um, The the one example that I, the reason why I was, it's stuck in my head is because I was looking at a, we recently redesigned the Magenta website um, and I was trying to add this like shiny, well, your text appears animation on every page. And I was looking at the site that I was going to copy their stuff and they're using this like giant JavaScript library that has an on scroll listener, so that you can tell where like all of the divs are, uh, you know, on the page, and that's where you like translate them a little bit and animate them. And this was the only solution we had, like you know, four years ago or whenever the site was made. But today we have Intersection Observers, and they're for free because they come from the browser. And it was like so ten lines of JavaScript, right? So if I didn't take the time to understand what the browser does today, I would have been stuck with these like. 70k of JavaScript downloading from four years ago because it was po- it's popular in NPM, right, and I think that's a really hard trade off and I think that like puts a lot of pressure on front end developers all of us whoever we decide we are, um, but that's kind of that's kind of how it is the web moves really fast and if you want to have your two Michelin star restaurant, you kind of got to do the work. <laughs>
1: This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by Sanity.io. The URL you want to go to there is Sanity.io slash Shop Talk, so you can check out what other developers are doing with this and get a free supercharged developer plan. What it is is a really modern CMS for developers, you know? And what's kind of cool about this is you kind of like NPM install it. You NPM install the... The CLI insanity itself, and it spins up a little CMS for you to play with. And so it's, it's 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 customizable in itself. It's like this React-based CMS that you can log into, and it's super flexible. And you can create content types and connect them together, and just build this CMS for yourself. And it deals with 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 like textual data and images and all the stuff that you'd want to do with the CMS. Super mobile friendly too. Their latest release of this, they just they've been out a year, and then they just released this major beautiful release of it. And then what it gives you is like a. a Good modern CMS gives you APIs to all that data so that on the front end, you can do whatever you want they have this language called grok that's for getting the data out of it in like the nicest dev experience kind of way they really thought about how do we like get data out of this, this CMS that you're that you're managing in like you know connected queries and you can do anything you want with the, with the data that you put into Sanity so it's what I like about it is this kind of like they really thought about the CMS experience and then the left front end developers to do what they will with it like okay here's the CMS we focused on making that really clean now your front end has total freedom. Build however you like. Use whatever framework, anything on the front end, which is so it's kind of separate in that way. It's going to last longer for you as the front end changes and evolves and does different things you have freedom to evolve with it it's not your cms doesn't have to come along for the ride and sanity it likewise can change and evolve and do better things you know separately from the site that you built on top of it it's kind of like the modern web at its best that's sanity.io slash So let's say we're you know you're you're assembling into a into a super team. Maybe you're already on that super team at on your but you know you you got to do some work you know and I, I we could imagine client work, but this could be anything. It could be an internal project or something. You know you got to produce something because that's how we all get paid or whatever. So so you know what is it that you're building? Like metaphorically, your perfect project for you, Monica. You know. Like, what's an awesome project? What are what is your role on that project? Who are you working with? What are you you know What are you doing? Do you, can you, do you think about that?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Uh, my favorite project would be something very interactive, so that the user gets to like you know use and play with, and it like it's hard. It's a hard problem. I mean, it's like it's not like a you know a text document, or it's not like a new clone of Facebook. I find these incredibly boring sort of things, but it's like an interactive thing that like makes lets you make things. Um, and then the pe- perfect team for this would be obviously me. Um, and then I really enjoy working with designers, but a special kind of designers. And then I definitely would want. An engineer that's better than me. In every single team that I work on, I want there to be somebody who's better than me so that I can be like, look, I wrote garbage. Please help me understand why it's garbage and how it's better. Um, I think that the time where I stop working with better engineers than me on a team, I'm just going to quit and open a pottery studio.
0: You got got the exit strategy figured out. Yeah.
2: I find it very stressful (laughs) to have to learn on your own and not learn from other people because then like you only learn as good as you are at learning whereas like if somebody's just like this is what you should have done you're like duh i should have
0: you said a certain kind of designer what what does that mean
2: um i really like making pretty things and i like being allowed to have a sort of input on what the pretty thing looks like but i'm bad at making like i don't catch up with like design news i don't read design newspapers or podcasts or whatever you cool kids do Um, So I want a designer that's like, here's my idea for this thing. It's not set in stone. I didn't give you, like, red lines. I didn't, like, measure all the pixels. How do you feel about it? Do you want some resources for this thing? I can make you, like, shiny animations. And it's, like, sort of a conversation. I've worked with designers before that were like, here are your pixely lines, and you have to, I'm going to do screenshots of what you've produced and tell you they're off by one pixel. And I'm like, no, got to go. That doesn't work.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so more collaborative in that. Design developer really. Yeah, so for
2: this magenta redesign, we did we don't have a designer on the team, so I took a stab at it and I cleaned up whatever was there. But then we found like a designer who like volunteered their time for like like a week, and they're like, sweet. I looked at what you had and like you know, I I did it a little bit better. And it was, like, everything that I had, so I felt really into it because it's like he didn't throw away all of my designs. But then he's like, I made it shinier and the font is fancier. And, like, you've got these awesome spacings now. So that was, I thought, a great experience. Those are my favorite designers.
0: I find, like, good designers, you know, you're just kind of like, here's my idea, and they just come back. Maybe they just tweak the colors a little bit, but it just...
2: It's your idea, but better.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, here's kind of what I was thinking, and they're like, I made
2: it better. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I wish I were thinking that. You're
0: just <laughs> I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, that's
2: why I don't do that. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and I think a lot of times, like, the bigger the team gets, the harder it is to have that. But, I mean, it all depends on, like, you You can also, this is just what the kind of team that would work for me. There's a lot of fantastic engineers that I know that are incredibly good engineers and could not, like, align two divs on a screen. Like, they're like, I don't know, Times New Roman looks good. Let's just put it everywhere. Um so I think for them in that case like a more hands-on designer. So you're,
1: you're 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 part of this assembling this team though isn't to like assemble a bunch of like really smarty people that that you know so that you don't have to do any work you like doing the work too obviously you know.
2: I love doing the work. Yeah.
1: And how much you know how, mu- how much challenge like a a ton of challenge would you want to do something totally outside of your out of your wheelhouse or or
2: Um not all the time. Like, I kind of, you know, that feeling when you're like, I know what I have to do, but I'm going to get her done, and I got her done, and it's like a great feeling, yeah. <laughs> versus yeah. when you're like, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on, and it's been four days since my website rendered, because I connected it to GraphQL, and I don't understand how to make it go. Like, that's an incredibly depressing feeling, right? So you need to have, like, a, a good mix of, like, nailing it to, holy uh,
1: Two of them this morning. One of them was GraphQL, there was a... Mutation and a thing, and I'm just like, it was all frustration and no satisfaction, and I have, and I still don't know whether that satisfaction is going to come or not. And I'm well,
2: your satisfaction—it's going to be like such a low satisfaction because when it finally works, you'll be like, great, it renders the same way as it did two days ago. I'm back to like, I've just added a new field in the database. Fantastic, feeling so good. 48 hours. That was like $5,000 for everyone.
1: I had another one that I I had limited time to work this week, very short week for me. And this morning, I I go up and look at one of my SVGs. It was only rendering like half of it, half of the lines in it. I'm like, what's going on? Okay. It goes through gulp. I see. And then we run it through SVG. Oh, God. It was just, it was the the weirdest problem. And then, you know, I had like four paths in a row. And then in the DOM, they were all nested within each other. You didn't even, I didn't even know a path could have a path. You in didn't
2: it. close a tag somewhere.
1: Oh, but I did. You know, I looked. <laughs> I was like, I, the, this path is closed. I have, I rendered this. I'm going and, finding you know svg validators to run it against and stuff but then i'm looking through my gulp file i'm like okay it goes through svgo let's just run it through svgo to see if that messes with it no that seems fine let's see this other thing combines them together let's try that in isolation then it turned out it was some library called cheerio which is like
2: <gasps> i've used cheerio yeah you know? it's for like scraping
1: yeah. and shit. yeah right it's kind of like you can you can it's dom but with a string you know, like yeah, yeah, like yeah, and it just mangles SVG. So I was like, okay, well, that's that.
2: Yeah, I find these experiences unsatisfying. Like these are not my favorites. Like I like debugging problems that I've caused, not that like happened to me.
1: Uh, so so, but speaking of challenging, sorry about the t- the tirade there. This just was my morning. Like, what what do you find the most challenging? Like like that's not that's not missed naps or. T- team members pe- people stuff, you know, like what's like a computer thing that you find the most challenging scoped to front-end development?
2: Yeah. Um that's a 2 So I find it frustrating. Uh as a person who loves specs, the fact that specs are not perfectly implemented in every browser I care about drives me bananas. Because then it's also a little bit of a walk-a-mole trying to figure out like, well, works really well in Chrome and Firefox. What has happened afterwards? And you're like, uh. and then, like, again, the solution is unsatisfying for me because you're like, I know what it's supposed to do, and it doesn't do it. And now it's just, like, I'm patching weird things. Web audio is fairly, like, inconsistent. I like, was
1: going to ask you, are you talking about oh web audio? Oh, my
2: God. It's a new world of pain, fam. I try to do, like, media <laughs> recorder. I thought you could record audio on the web really easily. You can't. There is polyfills, <laughs> but not for cameras. It's a pain. So all of these are like are a little unsatisfying because you get excited. You're like, I can build this awesome thing on the web, which like as a cheerleader for the web is like what I want to do. And then I do it and it right. works on like a browser and a half and the other one's sort of like the bed and you're like, ah. Oh.
1: It's almost like a, it's like a, I don't know why. We signed up for this unique version of pain with this cross-browser stuff because we, at the same time that our intellectual selves need to admit that browser diversity is good and competition is good on the web and there's all this stuff. But then you like look at somebody who's like, I don't know, I made a game for PS4. I didn't have to deal with crap. I knew exactly the hardware that this thing was going to run on and it's expected of the people that when you build a game that of course it only works on that. There's like this expectation. But not on the web. You can't Say, ah, this only works on Chrome. Not only will people crap on you for it, but philosophically it's it's just not good for the
2: Well, I think you can only I think you can only do the PS4 thing if you also charge $69.99 for every one of your websites. So the moment we yeah. can do that, I'm like, <laughs> do you want to use um <laughs> 69 up front yeah. and then it's yours. So and then like people can just be like, no, your website is not worth like I do with a lot of games, right? I look at them and I'm like, you are not worth this kind of money. But we give away websites for free.
1: I know, it's like the it's like it's tricky. It's like we give it away for free and we can't make demands on 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 what kind of devices.
2: So are that's one of on. my, what was the question? There were, I had a two-part. Uh,
1: it's the, uh, the most challenging.
2: Yeah, so that's one of the most challenging. And the other one is um, managing how much I should care about everything changing all at once. Like there's every single hot minute, there's a new framework or library sprouting up and it's very hard for me to... Like, most of the time, 99% of the time, my intuition is that I don't care. Like, I usually just care about things when I need them. Like, something has to happen in my life to be like, I need this thing. I will finally learn it. But that's also, like, sort of an enraging conversation to have with people who stay on top of all these libraries. And like, well, why aren't you using, I don't know, coffee.js or whatever? Uh, and you're like, I don't know, I don't need it. I can just, you know, write the DOM by hand like an animal, which I end up doing <laughs> instead of using Cheerio.
0: <laughs> I had that yesterday. I, I I'm writing a little CLI tool like in Node. Probably I'll probably release it like as a whatever npm module that installs a, a command line tool. But I was like, hey, does anyone, you know, is there like best practices? What do I do? And I got four, you know, links to different libraries that just process arguments from the command line and i just was like wow this is like there's four options now to wade through to split a string in a certain way and i just i was like oh boy and i i mean you know that lost an hour or two just kind of reading docs to be like which one might be the best you know and i don't know
2: and i find it frustrating in that case because you could have just split your string in those hours right just like
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really not hard to split a string. But then I was like, but then I kind of thought about it more. I was like, well, at least like I want it to be predictable, you know, and, you know, if if it does go overboard, I'd like to have a, I don't know, a a more intuitive way forward here. But um, but yeah, it it just, the mental overhead that, that it took to kind of just split a string, like you're saying, got very high, got very, very high.
2: And this happens for everything. You name it, we have it. For I don't know, dynamically updating a CSS style sheet or something. You've got like 7,000 solutions. Putting styles on something. 7,000 solutions. Writing a for loop. <sighs> Many ways
1: of writing a for loop. And so why is that challenging? You know, like do you, the is that that 1% of time or whatever when you should have cared but didn't or something? Well, cuz it's or?
2: so it's challenging because I will choose not to do it, and at some point somebody will be like, "Oh, I see that you uh, just did all the things with vanilla JavaScript instead of using this library." And then this is like energy that you have to be like, "Yes," because I just don't care about your library. I'm sorry, it was just it was quicker for me to split the string than care about your library, and I just could not be f- at the time. Or on the other hand, it's like what Dave was saying, like maybe I should care about this, right? Like at some point this is going to implode, and you're like, well, great, now I've got to do the work, and this work is not going to be applicable in two years because we'll have a whole new set of libraries, and whatever I use now, it's not like repeatable knowledge. It's sort of like short-term experience I'm getting that's not, that's not applicable outside of this pro- problem. Like I've become really good at, you know, mangling arguments on a CLI. Great, where am I going to use this again? So now I spend a lot of time to be really good at like making this one thing that I just I'm not gonna need. I'm not a CLI builder, right? Unless you are a CLI builder, in which case you nailed it. That's your like area of expertise. New job but...
0: title: full stack CLI. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Serverless. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, serverless for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's just like there's there's a lot of things that are happening, and they all people try to make you feel that they're all really important, but they're not. They're not important.
0: I think. I mean, not to drag things <laughs> but like like uh this react use hooks thing or the hooks in react hooks um which i think are great um like that you know that's We went just from an, like
2: zero to a hundred in like four it's just seconds an explosion oh,
0: really of, of like like just people like reacting to this news that like there might be an api change I it just did huge explosion which is good because it's a useful feature but but yeah i've
1: ever seen news quite like hooks before where it's the article. the internet is full of opinions and articles and stuff about a one little feature of one life i know react is big but and they do seem a little bit interesting but my gosh the news cycle on these hooks is just and i've seen like people
2: make like you know react hooks for like vanilla javascript like that and like it just like everywhere and i was like it's a function like you have made you know functions for the dom we have them they're called functions like what are you what what is happening uh yeah no i blocked uh the word hooks for a week on twitter Whoops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, but no i just think that that's a great example of how these things just catch fire and all of a sudden you're accountable to like know about it and be it like have an opinion about it and like uh you know understand its inner workings and all of its possible implications and you're just like i i was not planning on that this week i was kind of just coasting uh you know <laughs> I was sort of yeah like, you
2: lost a couple of naps you could have had a nap i, and I know how took- many
0: naps uh did i you know
1: Miss out on because of
2: nap-driven that. development.
1: Did we already do this one on the show though? That these things have real implications for real human beings, though, not in the necessarily in the code thing. Because I think I think Monica's more correct, and it's just like. Listen, I'm going to develop my skill set in something that I've been, I've been a developer for a long time, and if I can kind of up my vanilla JavaScript skills rather than lean on libraries all the time, maybe that's like better for me in the long run. I don't know if that's exactly what you were saying, but it kind of seemed like it. But but there's you know we hear of this somebody looking for a job and it happens to be a React job, and they have some React experience and they're really smart people and they have lots of JavaScript experience, and then they don't get the job because they failed about some minor. API knowledge thing around the context API in React which is brand new. Oh
2: yeah, but that's because like all tech interviews are f***. like the way we interview people in tech is messed
1: up. It's just sad that the you can't that this the right answer and this this like being a good developer that's that just has their mind right about what to learn can cost you a job.
2: Unless you're like a walking encyclopedia of all of the current API in a library, then you can't call yourself that kind of engineer. That's a a thing that happens.
1: Well, let's get fired up about something. Uh, uh it's your choice. Your choice here. What, you know, like like what what are you willing to like go to bat for on a on a particular project and not let slide? You know, I'm sure all of us have some kind of things we just kind of don't care about, you know, like I don't care about your library or whatever. But what things do you care about? What are you willing to go to war for on a project?
2: That's a good one. Um I, you know, I didn't realize I get fired up about this, but it was now that I'm on a new team, people like, you know, point out new personality quirks that their new team members have. Um, and I apparently will go to the mattresses for not over-engineering something. Like, my approach in life is if you don't need it, I don't care about it right now. I'm going to cross that bridge on fire when I get there. And if I'm not there yet, please do not tell me about it. So <laughs> conversations like... Well, we could do it this way, and it's fine right now. But listen, in the future, we might add this thing to it, and then we should think about it. I'm like, no, we're not going to think about it. I only have like 45 minutes to care about this. We're shipping it now. If this happens in the future, future (laughs) Monica is going to assign time to that. Present Monica no time for this. Uh, And I will fucking go to the mattresses for this, it turns out. Where I was just like, I will time box it and be like, we have seven more minutes to talk about it. If we don't resolve it, it's my way. I think this sounds. That probably
0: saves you a lot of headaches. Like just in, I don't don't know know
2: how you work with. But like I've been in these meetings for like two hours. We're gonna plan something out, and the two hours end, and you have done nothing. And I'm.
0: Oh, I've had the same meeting for months, like Groundhog's Day. For like four months, but
1: isn't it It's at odds with the way d- programmers think I think that is that part of our job is 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 foreseeing the future in a way and, but no, and it developing. isn't it isn't
2: right This is just because we've allowed ourselves to like entertain these like intellectual made up conversations, right? Our job isn't to make our lives better a year from now for problems we didn't expect, like, sure. I mean, for short term problems, like obviously don't make all of your function, like your variables global that's going to bite you in the ass tomorrow, not like a week from now. So this is a slippery slope, obviously, but like, because we're, I think as a nation of engineers, we're very elitist about this. And like one of our favorite things to say is like, well, I see how you did it, but I think it could be done better.
0: It doesn't scale is, as- a very common. I'm not put down. super
2: sure this is the most optimal way to write. I don't know a better way, but let's think about it. Like all of this thing has been in like code reviews and like in, you know, engineering culture for so long and it's so ingrained in us that when we look at something, our first reaction is like, is it the best though? And like sometimes, like most of the time it's fine, right? It's fine.
0: So I, do, you, do you end up with a lot of like yellow code or like cowgirl code just in What's like, yellow code? Just like I'm doing it my way, fuck. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs>
2: I try to convince the other person. I I okay. as a as a human, I really hate it when people are mad at me and I'm scared of confrontation, so I sort of try to like convince people that my way is also correct. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I'm also really short. Like I can't really go and be like, "We're doing it my way." Like nobody take My voice is really high pitched. Nobody takes <laughs> me seriously.
0: <laughs> Not serious. Monica comes in like Four four octaves lower.
1: Yes. (laughs) I think it's fine
0: right now. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs)
2: Um, But it usually works out because, like, I'm not, I think it's important not to be unreasonable about this. Like, it's not about not wanting to do the work. It's about, like, sometimes you do the work. Somebody's like, you could do it better. And you're like, you're correct. We should. But a lot of the time, it's just this annoying intellectual circle. Yeah, it
1: really can be because it is, you know, not to, I don't, disagreed or anything it's just that uh i've seen this when you sometimes you see it play out over a long time for example where like early days of code pen we're like let's just get out a pro plan yeah rock and roll here we'll sign up a payment system and now you're either pro or you're not and that's all we got for a payment system and it worked great and we shipped it and then like then you know years later you're like that was the worst thing ever and our payment system is crap and we need to rewrite it but now it's really complicated and it's got its fingers all over the whole app and now it's going to take us literally a year to rewrite that mess so what was the right answer should we have slowed down and did it right those years ago or would we have never shipped it then and that would have been a mess you know like or or like at what point do you like slow down and do it right or whatever or do you not know how to do it right that early because you haven't experienced the pain yet or what? It's like this weird well, balance. You probably didn't both. even
0: know the problems you had to solve back then, like
1: yeah, teams maybe or whatever,
0: right?
2: Like, so I think that like, I think all of those are great, which is why there's no answer to this, right? Like if there was an answer, we'd all just do the answer and we wouldn't have these problems. Um, but I think that no matter what we do today, it will be the wrong thing two years from now. Every, like, two years is a huge time on the internet. Like, the whole, I, like, the whole way we interact with apps changes in two, in two mm-hmm. years. Like, payment plans might not be a thing in two years from now. Maybe I'll just, like, scan my eyeball, and that's how you're going to charge me, right? And, like, given that that is, like, the table stakes. The table stakes are in two years. Your code will be built on an old technology with an old approach, and it's going to bite you in the ass. You're still going to have a pain two years from now. Should you also have that pain now? If you over-engineer it today, it's still going to be a badly engineered in two years from now. I think, unless. Uh, but I mean, like, yeah. again, in a very specific way, like, you use classes. Don't have global like yeah. basic things out of the way.
0: Even the best engineering is going to be out of date in two years. Yeah. Even state of the art right now. Uh, but does that so do you and find yourself into? I think it's a Facebookism, but that like optimized to delete code you end up in kind of that realm? Have you heard that? Like, code is disposable? I don't disposable. listen to
2: anything on the internet. You're using okay. so many terms.
0: <laughs> like, code is disposable. There's this idea of like, like, you just write whatever and then, like, make sure somebody can delete it is sort of, I think, the attitude.
2: Yeah, mm. I actually believe
1: Unless it. Unless it's in a database, right? Leave that alone. Yeah, don't touch the database. Just keep adding calls.
2: Yeah, actually, that's a really... I really like that approach. I haven't been u- able to use that approach. It turns out once you have users that use your code, that approach gets a little bit slippery. So we had this problem with like in Polymer, with the Polymer elements a lot, where I wanted to like rewrite them 17 times over. But it turns out 100% of your users use the old version, so you can't really break it. And they're not going to migrate to the new one, so you're <laughs> your life now. Um,
1: Hey, 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 like, you know? But you this you is, is why
2: I don't think you should have users. Like, just, you know, write yeah. code in the form. And- <laughs> so
1: it's interesting to hear you say that. Now, that if you lived that, you'd think... I would think that it's possible that you would have come out on the other side of being like, whoa, whoa, everybody, slow down. Let's make sure our APIs are really clean before we But should. the
2: problem is we had no way of knowing. Like, when we built the first version of the elements, it was the best elements that all of us could have built. And then people used them. And you're like, oh, sh- that's how you're going to. Oh, no. Oh, you're doing that. Oh, okay. And then you're like, well, I didn't expect that. Um, and then, like, you know, the infrastructure changed out of you. The web component spec changed out of you, like, under you. The... And you still have like your user base from your first version, which was the best version you could have had. But mm. it's no longer like two years from then, it was no longer the best version. It was a terrible version actually, and there was nothing you could do to fix it. Hindsight, always 2020, fam.
0: <laughs> I, I think about that with this uh this little CLI tool I'm building. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll release it. Oh no, what if people start using it? And then I can't <laughs> change something. You know, so I almost wanna yeah. put it online. And be like, play with this, but don't don't use it like in any production flow ever. Yeah,
2: I built this really dumb uh, dashboard that like shows your tweets and like nice things. It's like a care terminal that like it tries to be really nice to you because I used to look at a terminal a lot, and like so many people use it and like tell me that it doesn't work with this version of Node and like this tweet with this kind of emoji doesn't get encoded correctly. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just wrote it on a weekend to like look at cute things on my screen. Why are you doing this?
0: (laughs) Never release anything.
2: Yeah. I think one of the things I've been thinking about the how to make, how to be able to change code. Um, This has been on my mind a lot. And I think writing the smallest things possible, many small things versus one big thing is probably better because then like you can break a small thing at a time and then people can update it and be like, okay, I'm ready. Like this one thing changed a little bit and maybe For most people, it's not going to affect me. But if they're sort of separate, like, not modules, but, like.
1: Yeah, little APIs. Small APIs, uh,
2: yeah. Big APIs, mm -hmm. bad. Small APIs, good. Which is hard. Like, it's. But I'm pretty sure there's, like, a book from, like, you know, 30 years ago, The Pragmatic Programmer or something like that. If I read it, it would be one of the bullets there, which which is, like, don't have a giant API that spans the universe. Maybe we should read things that people wrote.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. No kidding. I mean, we have this, we have this, some kind of like internal diagrams that could, that they're kind of like guiding our future in this way of like, the these things should be less connected than they are. Like, so as we move forward, you'd be like, you see this, like philosophically, this thing that people do, that's like... That's like its own bubble of thing, and it should be written in that way. And when they, when the user wants to do this other thing, that's connected, and those things should talk to each other over well-defined, simple APIs, and so that this thing can evolve separately from this thing, which can't happen right now because they're so tied together. I know that's like just gibberish.
0: No, philosophical it's, it's true. Talk, but. I
1: don't
2: think there's like a right answer. This is the problem with a lot of engineering. Like, there's no right answer to most probably like the pro- the answers are really like intimately connected to the problem mm-hmm. which is kind of sh- because you can't really learn from other people's problems as much
1: yeah it's, it's it's like it's like good like bathroom reading or something you're like oh that's i i see yes uh yes the code <laughs> is connected to the other code and then you go to work and you're like i can't do any of that stuff uh, so what about uh, we, we don't have too much time left? So let's do really quickly. I'd like to know, like, like if you've been involved in hiring a little bit, like, what do you th- what do you think of like if you were gonna snatch somebody up from a team you're on? What's like a really good trait you would look for, and specifically about you know a front end developer? You know, like what's a, what makes for a good one that you would hire up?
2: Um, I don't really get involved in in hiring because it stresses me out. But I like to work with people that are. Uh, smart I don't care about what you know now I care about what you can learn and like this is why like all of the questions were like do you know react really well I don't care like do you know how to like do you know how the, the web works and the dom works can you learn react in a week if you had to you can cool we're going to get along great um and then people who are sort of open to suggestions I don't really all of the things that I like in an engineer are Personnel, like human traits, not engineering traits. I think inherently all of us have the ability to be a good engineer. I think not all of us have an ability to be a good coworker. And I care more about that one as a result. So like people who are open to other opinions, other solutions, like being able to take your, you know, no as an answer. Like, do you think I should do it this way? No, I think that's wrong. That's not a, you know, something personal about you. It's just like, we can do this better. You shouldn't get like, you know, panicked about this or like overreact or anything like that. But again, personality tra- traits all of them. Be nice humans. I want to work with nice humans. We just build javascripts. It's not. It's, it's not, you know, surgery. We'll be fine.
1: All right, let's take the last little part to do some do our play our little our little game here in this series. Uh, I think this is the second or third time we we have a, a somewhat new batch of dribble shots we're going to look at and uh, uh and we're just going Oh my
2: god, I looked at them and they're all pretty. I don't know what to say oh, about them. Oh,
1: you're not supposed to look at them yet. Oh, just kidding. You can look at them. It's no big deal. But the but the idea is to uh just to click and look and then let your front-end developer brain churn a little bit and like and tell us what you see right away. And it could be anything. It could be structural or design or, like, what's going to be a pain in the ass or what's going to be fun or anything at all, but just, you know, related to, like, what you would think with your developer brain. So this first one is called Progress Board Interface for Education Platform. Looks like a little kanban thing.
2: I look at this, and I thought they were all the same screen and you could tra- translate from them, but is it like a Trello where you do the dragging?
1: It
0: appears to be kind of a Trello-y yeah, Kanban. Well,
2: you're going to have to drag and drop, and that is the biggest nightmare in the universe, so good luck. Have fun. <laughs> Does it even matter? There's an what NPM else?
1: thing for it. Just use the yeah, NPM yeah. thing. Yeah, and
2: the NPM thing works in most of the cases unless you're going to have, like, a shadow reader or something. Or, or it yeah.
0: goes on an iPad. Whoop. Yeah, so, or yeah, yeah
2: you can't drag. or yeah. Anything that has to do with drag gives me anxiety. Also, it's not accessible because you have to drag. Good luck. It's going to be great.
0: Do you uh, push back on stuff like that? Do you do you kind of say like
2: um, I push back yeah. on things if uh, so if they're like hard engineering problems, but I think they're a good good thing to work on. I'll allow it. But if it's a like this, if I think the thing to push back here is to make sure that it's also accessible. Like if I can't drag, can I still use your thing? And if we haven't thought about this problem, then I think we should think about it first. Big on accessibility. Okay, next one.
1: I like that. Uh, this, this one is, uh, has a big map on it. It's called Truck, a Tracking Dashboard for Drivers Management. So maybe, you know, three-fourths of the screen is a big map with a little truck on it halfway through a route. And then the left is kind of a user sidebar with some data and graphs and stuff. And there's some overlay stuff on the map. What do you see when you see
2: um, it? I see anxiety because I don't know how to draw on that map because drawing is not my favorite on the web. Um, so yeah but I'll probably have to learn SVGs I've been learning SVGs hanging out with Sarah Drasner is a problem in your life you learn about SVGs yeah you know I don't really know how to do the map part everything else sounds fine
1: yeah that, that's the only like the rest of this is just laying out some stuff no big deal but the, but the map is like Whoa. yeah
2: the map is the one where I'm like I don't know how we do this but I'm sure we can do it
1: mine's like I don't know there's probably like a draw point A to point B Google API thing
2: Oh, I right. don't. I don't trust anybody. I'm, I'm
1: not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna learn anything. I'm just gonna. <laughs> uh, Next one is a is like a code drops demo from Mary Lou, and it's like a you know you hover over this link, and the screen starts showing photographs, and then it they kind of settle down into an unusual grid like layout of photographs. What do you think of that?
2: Remember when I told you I was bad at animations? <laughs> oh yeah, that's a. That's a good one. I would just do it in JavaScript. It's fine. I, uh, It stresses me out a little bit. There's too much happening at once, but, you know, I'm sure it could be nice if you. it's not a GIF. Yeah, it stresses me out that when I click on a link, I don't expect that to happen, I think. That's my...
1: Yeah, you have some, like, UX concerns, like, this is a bit much.
2: Yeah, a bit much. But I like when they come back together in silence. So maybe we can focus on that. <laughs>
1: Would you, would you like push back
0: to the designer or, or, you know, on that? Or would you kind of be like.
2: I think I would like do a little bit of a, like a very quick, like two hour, like proof of concept. And if it's like, man, it's going to be a pain in the ass and you're going to have to write a lot of JavaScript for this. And I think it's bonkers. Then I would push back on it. But if it's like, just because I don't know how to do it and it's like, I'm going to find out in 10 minutes, I would always spend a little bit of time to figure out if it's doable.
0: And then you, if you were to like bring something up, like this is stressful and hard, then you have a prototype to talk over? Like, yeah, that kind of, like I think
2: I would be like, I think hovering over a link and having all of these images flash in front of your face while doable is maybe not the thing that you want to you know panic your user with this. Um, and then sort of have a conversation like, why are you, what was the reasoning behind doing this? Like, Is it to show all your images? Can we make them come out in a different way so they're still big and beautiful but maybe not like in the facey?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Dear designers listening, I prob- promise I'm really nice to work with. <laughs> Don't use words like punchy in the facey. <laughs> okay, the next one. Yeah, this
1: yeah, it's called Mobile Homepage for CrowdRise by GoFundMe. It's like it's specifically mobile comps, you know?
2: This looks like everybody's website.
1: <laughs> That's the first thing you see is the
2: Yeah, you know, it's got it's- thin text at the top and then a round button and Design at the bottom.
1: Yeah, like you've seen this so many times now that it's... I don't even know what this does.
2: Also, too many colors. Yeah, I think... I, here's the thing. I, would, I don't think I would be in the position to work on this because I don't work on agency stuff. So I think I'd just be like, what are we doing?
1: Yeah, not your... It's not my game. cup of
2: tea. But I mean, there's totally... Yeah. If you work on this, it's really fine. There's a place for you in the world. I have used your website before. I'll give you money dollars. I just don't want to build it.
1: Uh, okay. This last one Short Stash 2 is kind of an interesting kind of layout where photos are kind of seamless I love it. next to each other. Do you really? Oh, interesting. It's so I pretty.
2: I don't know what it does, but it's so – I would never build this. Like when I think of building something, I would never be this creative. Uh, the, the instant thing that stresses me out here is that you already have like what, six images on the page. So that's, right. uh, that's a kick in the face. Not for the user, but for the network. But, um, you know, then you have to be smart about how you load your images. And I think that's a really interesting engineering mm-hmm. problem.
0: Well, how, what would you, like, what's your gut? Is it load that big one first? Because there's kind of a big one in the middle and then kind of yeah. five
2: smaller Yeah, load the big one. For, also, I would get to use a CSS grid, which I haven't before. Really exciting. Um, yeah, load the big one first. Load the tiny ones, like have them as being tiny, and then... Do that thing where, like, people, like, blur them, you know, when they appear or something like that. Like, once you've downloaded all the critical stuff, maybe start dealing with the background images. Um, Yeah, do some user studies to see if people even click on them. If they don't click on them, don't, maybe you don't even need the full res one. Put some analytics on that. Big on analytics. Turns out, not all pages you write get clicked on.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, nice. I did not expect we'd end up at analytics on this photo
2: gallery. Oh, I mean, I worked on Chrome. We like analytics out of everything. That's how we design UIs. I love it. Data-driven. Oh, my God, sorry. I have to. Yeah, sorry. Okay.
0: All right, we got okay, we'll wrap go? it up. Sure. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. For people who aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that?
2: Uh, Follow me on Twitter and be nice to other people on the Internet, but explicitly me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. i don't know yeah i'm not older from twitter it's a really dumb twitter i don't really do anything good
0: all right well great okay. thank you very much and if you have to go that's totally fine and thank you dear listener for downloading this in your podcast of choice be sure to start our favorite up that's how people find out about the show follow us on twitter at shop talk show for tens of tweets a month uh and if you hate your job head over to slash jobs get a brand new one because people want to hire people like you and chris do you have anything else you'd like to
1: say oh that's it shoptalkshow.com